when you can start tapping into that level of marketing psychology, you get them making what I call an emotional purchasing decision, which is you may not be the most qualified. You might have four years of experience and someone applied and they have seven years of experience. However, they just want you, right? And I see this happen all the time. I think candidates think that the more experienced by default gets the job. It's not true. This is Your Career GPS, the podcast designed to help teens, young adults, students, new grads, and emerging professionals navigate their career journey. I'm Brad Minton. Welcome back to Your Career GPS podcast. We are still on the countdown to 100 episodes and inviting back some familiar voices from the past. And I can't believe we are down to two, two episodes left to hit that magic 100. In the three-year history of this podcast, there have been a couple of guests that I have been super excited to get on and had to had to remain a little bit more flexible in terms of scheduling. And this individual uh, was one that uh, we had back in the day, all the way back in episode 38, back in June of 2021. It's hard to believe it's been that long. And uh, we dove into this concept of brand strategy. But today, she's here, she's back, she's taking it to another level and talking about how brand interweaves into salary negotiation. And of course, I'm talking about one of my personal favorites, Rosie McCarthy, who's coming to us live from New Zealand. How are you, Rosie? So good. Thank you for having me back. And what an honor. And I just want to say congratulations on 100 episodes. That is massive. What a milestone. And just calling out the hard work and research and energy that goes into that. So congrats to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And you were definitely a big part of that uh, growth there uh, in the early stages. So excited to have you back with us. But, you know, to just to kick things off, since it has been about two years, what have you been up to? What are some things that are happening in your world? What's exciting? What's fresh? What's new? Oh, good question. So yeah, I can't, firstly, I can't believe it's been that long. It feels like it's been about six months. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> this is just like, what is time? But yeah, lots of good things happening over at Badass Careers. We have been really focusing on develop, uh, developing a lot of different content lines and, you know, ways to kind of educate people on some fresh topics, including interviews and salary negotiation, because before we were very much focused on purpose and personal branding, which is our bread and butter. And now we're expanding into those new areas. And even though I worked in human resources for so long and, you know, in theory that should be easy, it's just the way I like to work. I mean, I'm like speaking with recruiters I'm doing so much research I'm 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 on the ground with my clients and that kind of stuff takes a while for Mm -hmm. me to develop brand new things because I like to have all of the input you could possibly imagine that's that's my kind of way of working so it's been a slow but thorough (laughs) build out of some fresh new topics over there which has been really cool and otherwise um, I was able to spend three months in France recently with my French husband which was lovely so I spent the New Zealand winter and had two summers this year so I'm pretty pretty lucky 
Mm, love it. Love it. You know what I uh, also love about uh, where you're kind of branching into now and some of the things that you've been putting out recently with regards to um, our topic today, which is this aspect of worth and salary mm-hmm. negotiation and everything is, is uh, you're right, where you know, we kind of left off with last time was a little bit more on the, uh, the branding and really kind of understanding how you want to position yourself and really thinking about what elements uh, you want to bring forward. And in fact, I, I actually went back and to listen, listen to, uh, to part of the episode and, and something that you had um, said that really resonated me from that episode. I just like the way that you put it was that, you know, building that brand and uh, really having that as your platform is not about is not about sugarcoating. It's not about necessarily like uh, fabricating anything. It's really just saying, this is the entirety of me, but I'm going to choose the best aspects that I want to highlight. I want to really bring forward the things that make me uniquely valuable. And, and I love that. And I think it ties in so well to this uh, transition today, which is the salary negotiation piece. So mm. let's let's kick this off right here in the beginning. You've been able to see people accomplish 20%, 40%, even 100% pay increases really through this lens of personal branding. So I wanted to kind of first ask you how that's possible. How have you been able to achieve that? What does that actually look like? Yeah, and I mean it's I mean it, it's them who achieve that and that's what I, I really want to focus on this this thought that a lot of people think to get these massive pay raises when someone says, "Oh my gosh, I doubled my salary." Or, "Oh my gosh, I got plus 30%." They think, "Oh, they've gone back and got their MBA or they mm-hmm. must have done something special to achieve that." And what we're talking about here, so we've we've spoken about the importance of branding in the in the past, but this is about getting to the layer deeper about identifying specifically what aspects you can highlight that are going to come across as priceless to the employer. So they're going to come across as as rare, as things that can't be trained, as the things that, you know, employers are willing to pay that much more because of who you are as a person. So for sure. So essentially personal branding in relation to salary bumps, it basically comes down to the idea that if you can imagine an open role getting three, 400, 500 applicants, most people applying for that role have the same kind of qualifications. They have the same kind of degrees and years of experience, you know, because that's what the job ad was asking for. That if they're asking for a bachelor of business with five years work experience, a lot of the application applicants are going to be around that level. Mm. However, If you can really focus on other things such as your levels of self-awareness, your fit for the team, your obvious alignment in terms of your career story and this, this opportunity you have in front of you, all of these kinds of things that make employers say, hey, they want it more than the average, or I've just got a good feeling about them. They feel like they'd be a good fit or, hey, it's not just about this role. I can see them having a future here. I can see their potential. When you can start tapping into that level of marketing psychology, you get them making what I call an emotional purchasing decision, which is you may not be the most qualified. You might have four years of experience and someone applied and they have seven years of experience. However, 
They just want you, right? And I see this happen all the time. I think candidates think that the more experienced by default gets the job. It's not true. We will absolutely sacrifice more experience, more skills, all of that kind of thing for someone who has you know, this, you know, we'll get into it in more detail, but it could be this emotional intelligence or this leadership potential or the self-awareness or this purpose. It can be, it can be those, those juicy things that make you, you, which are priceless. You can't train them. They result in so much resilience, so much motivation, so much hunger for the role. And that is worth money. And it elevate, it helps. It's just one aspect that helps to elevate how expensive you're going to be as a candidate. Oh, you are absolutely speaking my language. <laughs> I love every single thing about what you just said. It, what what I kind of immediately start associating with this is sort of the difference between black and white and gray. And I mm-hmm. think um, because I work with so many students and I experienced this a lot when I was working at a business college. They wanted to come right out with, these are the classes that I took. This is the degree that I'm getting. This is the certifications that I'm working towards. These are my technical skills. These are my, you know, all of the, you know, the list, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what they felt safe with, right? It's it's kind of what they know. But you're kind of going, wait, 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 you know, that's good, but there's so much more. And right. And and we need to kind of talk about those things that fill up this gray to provide that full spectrum of worth. Mm. And and that is really, the, as you put the juicy stuff that can actually create more dollar signs uh, because that's not replicated elsewhere. Right. Mm. Those are things that, you know, you can look across for, you know, just five candidates and say, OK, <laughs> four of them don't share what I've got. So. Mm. I love that. So let's just take that apart for a quick second. What what are some of those ingredients, some of the things that you like to be able to kind of look at and, and help people identify that really do create that certain degree of specialness? Yeah. And I love that you brought up the fact that you work with so many students because I think this is especially pertinent because they all feel like they look the same or they are the same, (laughs) you know, they're like, you know, they are one of hundreds, thousands, the countrywide, hundreds of thousands of people graduating with that degree, with a potentially a similar level of internships or, or college campus experience. So again, it's really hard to compete on that because that's kind of quite expected almost. Whereas when you're anchoring into these kinds of things, aka, who you are as a person and what makes you different and how you think, well, inherently that's unique. And suddenly you're going from competing with thousands to having no competition because you're selling you and literally no one else can do that. And so in terms of knowing what makes us different, I mean, the good, I guess self-awareness is the, is the core pillar of personal branding. And then we'll talk about other ways to, you know, elevate that and shift that perception of how expensive you're going to be. But self-awareness starts with not using (laughs) templates and tools and AI and things like that, that are going to make your resume sound like I'm a passionate team player who's hardworking and reliable, and I'm really agile and I'm good at relating (laughs) to a wide array of stakeholders. You know, that stuff, again, you know, it just makes recruiters eyes glaze over. It's all the same stuff. When you figure out what makes you different, 
I'm talking about looking at your strengths. So you can use, for example, free online tools like highfivetest.com, way to all the way to paid tools like um, Clifton Strengths Diagnostics. I'm talking mm. about your values. Again, you can use online value sorters. I'm talking about knowing your purpose, knowing what gets you out of bed in the morning. What are your energizers? Who are you when you're in flow? Who are you when you're at your best? And what do you tend to be doing? What lights you on fire? What do you find easier than others? You know, do, is it easy for you to walk into a room and connect with people quickly? Is it easy for you to look at a whole big bunch of data and see the stories emerging? Knowing all of these things, your secret source, these are the things that make a recruiter, make a hiring team, make a hiring manager sit up and say, wow, who is this person? For example, for me, if I were, you know, moving away from career coaching, never, but if I were moving away from career coaching and, and becoming a recruiter, for example, I wouldn't say, hey, I've got this degree and I've done recruitment because, again, everyone else would be saying that. Of course, you say that to take the box, but I would focus my application on, hey, I'm Rosie and I'm this mix of I've got this, this sensitivity and this deep sense of empathy and this, this, this natural perceptiveness. I pick up on people's energy, but at the same time, you know, I've got, I've got these qualifications in neuroscience and psychology and I'm very science-backed. And so the fact that you know, when you bring these two worlds together, I make this expert recruiter, like that would be what I'm saying. So rather than seeing 300 people saying, I'm a recruiter, I'm a recruiter, I'm a recruiter, you're saying, hey, I'm a, I'm a recruiter, and I do it this way. And this is my personal touch. And you're getting someone who's sounding a lot more rare and unique on the market. And human beings, you know, from a psychology perspective, inherently, they just want what's real, what's special, what's unique. And so when you come across as a bit of a unicorn and, and a bit outstanding, I think it starts to build that feeling like, well, I want that one. Like, I want the special edition. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. You know, I love how you just make this this really clear distinction and I'm taking notes because like, I, I feel like I'm picking so much up from what you're saying in, in terms of uh, what is, what's really making sense to me. And I think for, for our listeners, I think it's really about, you know, as you start thinking about, you know, your job search, as you start thinking about um, your applications, your networking, communicating with prospective employers, are you, are you, uh, when you really strip it down, are you communicating what's expected, meaning what you know or what you've learned or what you've attained, or are you kind of doing what you're saying, which is actually communicating what is unique about that in terms of who you are, how you do what you do, and why you do it in the first place? And and you can actually do both and you can actually do it in a very, very compelling way. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that because you're, you're leaning into this sort of element of storytelling. And so correct me if I'm wrong. I think there is a, a bit of like a storytelling that has to be kind of like, you know, communicated in here that, that really grips the listener, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, again, it's, it's back to that fundamental principle of how can I angle a few elements about me that this employer is really going to care about because it makes me different. It makes me priceless. It makes me unique and, and articulating those. That's why it is possible to do what you do, how you do it, why you do it all in one page on the resume, because you're not trying to throw 
everything you've ever done at them and every aspect of you like oh I'm also obsessed with cats and I really like sweets and I you know it's like again it's this tailored message which is really powerful which spans yes I've done cool things and I'm a really epic human being who has loads of potential and I'm going to be able to grow within your organization in a way that's super exciting for you. So I've got a curiosity here, um, something that I'm kind of thinking about as we're talking about this, because I, I feel like going in depth, really doing this self-awareness piece and understanding these things that really do make you unique and valuable, that is one part of the equation that helps formulate the language. And then there's a little bit more of that customization, right? The, the, the tailoring to a specific audience, you know, even if you're going from one company to the next, it's, you know, it's maybe a little bit of modification in terms of what you choose to bring up or, or how you want to package those things that do make you special. I was just kind of curious about your take on how individuals can accomplish that. I can, that's kind of like the, the icing on the cake, you know, that extra step that you've got to take when, when um, going through that process. Yeah. And it's, it's equally as important, right? So mm -hmm. it's all very well being self-aware and knowing how you think and, and due to the critical life experiences you've been through, what makes you a bit different, how you approach problem solving a bit differently and how your brain works, all that good stuff. Right. But you've got to know how to then match that to what the employer whose role you're applying for in front of you is actually asking for and actually wants. So I'll give several concrete examples right now, mostly focused on sort of resumes and cover letters, because I think that that will allow people to really drive this point home. So mm -hmm. for example, if we take the concept of a resume summary or resume you know, profile that you'd put at the top of your resume, just couple of sentences connecting the dots for the recruiter who you are and why this role again it's like put yourself in the recruiter's shoes the recruiter has the sort of pressure on their shoulders to pitch their shortlist of these amazing candidates that they've received to their hiring manager do you know how hard it is to pitch to someone hey Bruce you know I found the perfect candidate for your role that you have open right now and their resume is like, you know, the resume profile is, I'm a hardworking graduate who's really excited to grow my career and mm. learn and develop in an agile, fast-paced environment. That doesn't actually sound like they want to work for this role, right, For the, on this team. Versus, you know, I've got an example here of someone who's a little bit more experienced, but you'll get the point, you know, a summary saying, starting off with something like, international human resources professional with eight years of experience and a healthy obsession for digital learning, wanting to take Spotify's online learning platforms to the next level so that their mega talented people can shine even brighter. So very quickly, it's like, yes, I have experience. What makes me special is that I have this obsession with digital learning. It's what I live and breathe. And I'm going to put this all together to help Spotify's people shine even brighter and really unleash their talent using online learning, right? So it's, but this beautiful first impression of like, that's snazzy and they want this and they know what, like they know why we're hiring and they want what we want. Like their purpose is to make our employees shine brighter. Well, that's why we're hiring. So mm -hmm. it's a very different profile to present 
to a hiring manager. Now, on the topic of first impressions, another thing I love to see on a resume is a wee tagline below your name. So it almost sums you up sort of like, you know, L'Oreal's tagline is the beauty that moves the world. You know, like companies have have big tight taglines. Why not you? And so, again, when you open a resume and mm-hmm. you see like the person's name and then straight underneath you have empathy-led problem solver making a difference to people and planet or you have building memorable brands through visual design and digital content you're like straight away like whoa who's this person right like that first impression of like okay that's their value add that's their zone of genius I'm interested I'm hooked like an like a really like really compelling article headline I'm hooked I want to click I want to learn more mm-hmm. I want to read more about this person and again that tagline will be related to the 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 core of why are they hiring for this role. So at the end of the day, you know, if this role is about building memorable brands through visual design and digital content, and that's what you love to do because that's your zone of genius, boom, that's your tagline. It's that beautiful sweet spot between the two. Um, and just one, one third example would be, you know, coming across like this, again, this is just priceless, right? Like people who get it, who understand why, the company is hiring, not why you want a job, but why the company is hiring and being able to tailor to that, for example, on a cover letter. So for example, you know, you've got, you've done all your groundwork, you know, what makes you different, you know, how you approach things, you know, how you think, you know, how you carry yourself, you know, the cool things you've done, you know, that you've done some side hustles or volunteer projects or other things that maybe other people haven't done. You've got all your toolkit and then you analyze this job description and you really boil it down to like, okay, if this company could have just three things, what are they really, really looking for here? Because they're often saying a lot of the same things like logistics, project management, organization. You can, you can theme that up right into one, into one category. So theme up this job description to three big desires, three big wants of this company. And you could build your whole cover letter around that. Like, you know, do an intro paragraph and then say, what's what you know what specifically or what core strength specifically could I bring to the table and then you highlight and bold out for example diligently nimble with a fast-paced mindset oriented towards a production environment and then you back it up with proof point proof point you know a few bullet points like I achieved this and I've done this cool thing next and it's like your whole cover letter in that way would be a reflection of what they want in a human being for this role and you're just like yep no worries. You don't have to look through waffle. You don't have to try to connect the dots on my application. Like I've got it all here for you. Like we're a match made in heaven. Let's go. So it's, it's really that beautiful marriage of, of leveraging that self-awareness now into the marketing and sales side of things. I love it. I love it. And, um, I love how you put that, that theme up. (laughs) It's a very, very nice way to kind of put that together where, you know, it's, it's, it's positioning your your puzzle piece. You know, they the role is a, a unique puzzle with a piece missing, and you're just kind of tailoring how your unique assets that you've already identified uh, through kind of what we talked about earlier, how they are matching what you're reading, what you're digesting in terms of what their needs and wants are, and your making that abundantly clear from the onset. I mean, I, you know, if, if you're positioning that way in the cover letter and you're, you're uh, taking it a step further uh, through the resume, it's hard to miss. I mean, you're making such a compelling argument right there in the beginning. 
one of the things that I did want to ask you about relates back to something that I see a lot with the young people that I'm working with, you know, students, new graduates, and it kind of relates back to sort of this, this aspect of kind of feeling as though they don't have a whole lot to offer, or they really struggle with kind of finding the appropriate words to really, you know, own their own value. One of the things that, that you've kind of talked about, or at least mentioned is that, well, you have certain soft skills, right? You have these, these transferable skills, you have these things that actually employers really want, and that could be valuable in and of themselves. So I was kind of hoping you could talk a little bit more about that aspect and, and how to make those shine and not seem too generic. Yeah, this is a really great question. I think you're right. I think a lot of people don't give themselves enough credit for what they've done and who they are. And there's only so much that we can, you know, firstly, you can extract so much gold out of what you've done at university, of course, you know, you can, it's not just you achieved the degree. What did it take to achieve the degree? You know, I'm sure you would have taken on leadership positions and group project work. I'm sure you would have had to manage projects. I'm sure you would have had to do all sorts of, you know, relationship building and networking. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of things that you could, you could highlight, but the part that a lot of people neglect is honestly just who they are. You know, if you've grown up in a family with six siblings and you have this inherent brain that works in terms of planning and logistics, thanks to that, like you can absolutely speak to that. You can, I've seen people say, for example, in their core strengths, area of a resume saying things like, you know, a global mindset. And it's like, well, you know, my, my parents were immigrants to this country. I'm first generation here and I grew up in a bilingual household and I've always had a deep empathy for other cultures and other languages, for example. So, you know, actually remembering who you are, (laughs) it can be a really massive thing as well. And giving yourself credit for you know, any side hustles or volunteer experience or campus roles you played, they've all taught you something. I've seen students not wanting to put, you know, oh, I was just a swimming instructor or I was just a babysitter. I was just this, you know, on their resume. Absolutely speak about that because within that just, okay, again, if we could just celebrate that being a babysitter, parents trusted you with the most important thing in their world right? The trust, the communication, the the innovation, frugal innovation, right? You didn't have any budget, you didn't have any money to play with, but you had to keep these kids entertained. You had to come up with games. You had, you know, like, again, squeeze the juice out of the lemons, right? Like really acknowledge yourself first and foremost. And when you do that with everything you've ever touched, every paper you've ever studied, every, you know, podcast you started with your friend, even if it didn't get many downloads, like whatever it was, like anything you've done, think about what does this say about me? And what did I learn here? I I just think people don't give themselves enough, enough credit for fundamentally just who they are and what they've lived through, to be honest. No, I, I absolutely agree. I think there's there's so many hidden gems in those experiences, and it's really just you know taking the time, as you say, to really acknowledge the fact that there was a lot of skill that was developed there. Maybe it wasn't always easy. Maybe you know you don't consider it to be glamorous, but you know there's certainly there was a lot that you took from it, and um, and certainly got a lot out. You know, as we kind of come up to the 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 topic of salary, that I wanted to make sure that we actually 
hit on here is so we have gotten to a point where you know we are you know being able to position ourselves in the right way own the appropriate things that make us unique that make us valuable really put put this more into the terms like as you kind of said uh, an emotional decision for our prospective employers that we're bringing our best self uh to the table so in terms of leveraging that the right way for the actual you know process of of negotiation let's say we get the offer any best tips or strategies about how to take it the rest of the way to make sure that we really get the top dollar yeah, definitely. So what we've touched on so far is building the case for why they would want you the most. Okay. So already we've built that desire piece. They want you because you're self-aware, which can't be trained. They want you because you've got leadership potential, which can't be trained. They want you because you get it, right? Like you see why they're hiring, you see their need and you're like, yep, I understand. I've tailored my application beautifully for that. You know, I get it. And here's how we would be a great match. And they want you because you're going to be the best fit, right? So we've talked about building all of that. which again is priceless, not trainable. And already they're like, okay, whatever it's going to take, like we want that one. Okay. We want the, we want the, we want the shiny one on the shelf, right? Now, something you can do to complement this work is to elevate, again, nudging that perceptiveness of how expensive you are. And this is where you really want to focus on the high achiever energy, because again, someone who inherently wants to take a role scope, push it, push it to the edges, expand that role scope, be a high achiever, move quickly. That energy, a lot of people say they have it, but very few people actually do. And actually finding someone with that energy and a recruiter can pick it up a mile away is again, priceless and expensive. And so to come across like you have that high achiever energy that they'll be willing to pay a bit more for you know, a lot of it comes down to language and presentation, like we've been speaking about. So, you know, again, giving yourself credit for your experiences, instead of using weak verbs, for example, like supported or helped or assisted or things like that, I want you to really own your experiences and talk about how you resolved, you led, you co-created, you initiated, you designed, you spearheaded, you transformed, you overhauled, you developed. And you can do this with any experience. Okay. So I'm going to give you an example of someone who was, you know, in like working in sort of office administration and events and would often just roll up her sleeves and do some cooking and things like that for the team if they had events on and things like that. And so she says, created an ongoing employee engagement ritual using frugal innovation, right? That's a way of just saying like she, she started hosting Friday lunches And she said, you know, leverage my passion for cuisine to cook nutritious lunches for 35 to 45 people once a week in the office using a $90 oven from Kmart and an electric frying pan, saving the business in over $10,000 in external catering costs across a six-month period. So they came up with an initiative to have nice lunches for the team every Friday because she loves to cook. That's what she thought she did. Whereas how she's presented it, she scoped it out. She's looked into external catering and and costed out how much that would cost a company instead if they had outsourced that. She's linked it back to it being an employee engagement ritual. Again, something so simple, but giving herself so much credit, you know, and that's what I mean with the language. Like a lot of people, for example, if you were a swim instructor, I'm sure you designed new activities. I'm I'm sure you created new curriculum pieces 
for the kids. And for you, you mm. might be like, oh yeah, I came up with this cute thing we could do with the flutter boards. No, like, you know, you're adding to the, the teaching style, the pedagogy, the, you know, again, it's just firstly recognizing yourself and secondly, like slapping on the language that shows that that higher level of quality output and, and work essentially. The second thing that I really want to touch on is you'll notice in a lot of my a lot of my examples, I use numbers, I use proof points. And this is extremely important because again, if you're graduating into a sea of thousands of other people who look and sound the same, everyone's going to be like, okay, my skills, relationship building, project management, organization, you know, everyone's claiming the same stuff. What if you claim it, but you back it up? So for example, instead of saying like, I'm an organized person, full stop. Now I'm going to talk about something else you know, I've got this example of a student who part-time was working in a real estate office and part of their role was just organizing clients into Google Sheet, essentially keeping on top of clients and, and, and leads in a Google Sheet. But instead of on their resume saying organized existing clients into a spreadsheet, snooze vest, right? <laughs> saying like, well, what was the, what was the, point of that like what happened like why why were they getting you to do that work and what was the ripple effect of that work and she was like well yeah I guess like you know I made it all color-coded and when we hadn't followed up with people within six months it flagged red so that the agents could see that they could potentially follow up with with old leads that they haven't heard from in a while and one time one of the agents did that and the couple ended up buying a house with them and it earned them $20,000 in commission. And I was like, cool. So you didn't just organize clients in a spreadsheet. You used Google Sheets to organize and track the status of 500 leads per year, enabling the lead real estate agent to earn an additional $20,000 commission in 2022. That's what you did. So, wow. you know, things like that. Again, it's, it's, are you framing yourself in the best light? Are you coming across, there's a difference between that, like the person on the on the left column of organizing existing clients into spreadsheet, they did their job. They're expected. They're cool. Sounds good. You know, mm-hmm. the person on the right is like, whoo, who is this high achiever who like takes any job, no matter how mundane. In fact, how how awesome is it if you only have mundane or boring, quote unquote, roles to celebrate? Because then it's like even more like, say, whoa, if you can do that with a retail job, if you can do that with a nannying job, if you can do that with an admin job, like what are you going to do in this junior, you know, like communications manager role for me? Like it's, it's, it's not about what you've done. It's about the energy you bring to the table and how that even the small stuff is so important to you that you made it good, right? That you made it shine. And again, that energy is very hard to find and very, very priceless. So again, you can have someone with a degree from a shinier school or whatever, but if they're just saying organized spreadsheets, ran swimming lessons, did babysitting and stuff versus you coming in and being like, I'm this kind of person who does like takes these small things and makes them big. I would a hundred percent expect the hiring manager to go for you because it's an attitude. It's an energy. It's a perception that you're giving them. Like I'm going to come in here and make the most of this opportunity. And again, can't be trained, absolutely priceless. And we know that we're going to get a bigger return on investment from you. And then the last thing I would just say is like, please don't skip out on the formatting. You can absolutely have like, there's so much, you know, myths. I won't even get into it because I'll be here for three hours, but there's many <laughs> myths out there around the applicant tracking system and what you can and can't do. You can absolutely have 
you know, you want to keep it simple. You want to keep it white space. You want to keep it modern. You want to keep it like easy to read and really clean, but you can also have a nice elevated format as well for your, for your documents. You don't have to buy into the lies that it's word docs only. I feel like you could totally just drop the mic right here because I mean, everything, everything that you said, I think is, is something that really is worth repeating and repeating very, very often, you know, to, to young people who are just entering into the job market the first time. Your, your point has so much resonance. It's not about what you've done. It's about really the impact that you were able to make wherever, wherever, you know, you were able to do it. And, and are you showcasing that in a way that really elevates uh, what makes you unique and, and valuable apart from other people? Because, you know, you can go to that university with all the prestige, you can get that degree, but at the end of the day, is that, is that going to be enough? Is that going to separate you? There's a, a great speaker that I came across years ago who said, you know, the, the value of your degree is not in the paper. It's what you do from orientation to graduation. And mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of value in that, but it's also in, you know, tied into that is, is exactly what you're saying is that, you know, you can have these jobs, right? You can have these space filler kind of positions, be it a retail job or fast food or babysitting or whatever, they're still making you a better version of yourself if you mm-hmm. know how to elevate your impact and, and really showcase the fact that you're doing it a little bit differently than everybody else. And that's actually a good thing. But you've but you got to recognize that first. So, well, Rosie, I mean, I, I feel like this really this episode could go on for hours and hours and hours. But uh, for the sake of this, I'll go ahead and uh, start closing out. You are really doing some great things in this space and really elevating this message, you know, fantastically. So I wanted to make sure our listeners can follow your content and uh, and get connected to you. So where are the best ways to do that? Yeah, the best ways would be on Instagram and YouTube. So I'm just about to relaunch my YouTube channel with a beautiful runway of really uh, applicable, interesting videos, which I'm really excited about. So that's just Badass Careers on YouTube. And then I'm Badass Careers Mm -hmm. as well over on Instagram as well for more of the quick day-to-day tips. I think a mix of both is great, right? Both on Instagram, I'm most active. And then watch the space for YouTube where we're going to get a little bit more in depth. That's awesome. That's awesome. And that's actually exactly uh, where I was first introduced to you and um, the amazing things that you were doing back then. So excited, excited for that. So I want to thank Rosie uh, for jumping on again, two years uh, after the fact, and, you know, just bringing some amazing, amazing uh, truth bombs to this podcast. Uh, It was exceptional today. This is your career GPS and your journey awaits. Mm -hmm.